It's time for Wheel Nerds. And here are your hosts, Chuck and Todd. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode 63, and I checked the number carefully. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And stuff. I love stuff. We haven't done stuff in a while. Yeah, I thought I'd just, you know, do a callback to that. Mm, mm. <laughs> Wheel nerds, retro. <laughs> Retro's in these days. Yeah, you know, we could pull down some of the moving blankets, see if we can, you know. See some really awful echoes and yeah. bad sound. Get rid of, and we could sit here and go, ah, uh, or uh, 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 we get like really shit-faced and forget what we're doing a show about. Yeah. Yeah, well, I like it. touching my knee. Speaking of retro, we should jump right into the classifieds. Because things are getting <laughs> retro today in the classifieds. Yes. So this first ad is a 1983 Honda XL600. 80s is kind of retro, right? Yeah. I'm the original owner of this 1983 XL600. Here's your chance to own the bike that jumped over Larry Wilcox from the Chips TV show. What? Huh? Even after 29 years, this bike starts right up on the first try and runs great. This bike has just over 20,000 miles on it, several of them in the air. Call <laughs> or text for more information. This thing's... Is it this specific bike? Or this model? They provided a picture to help us understand. And it appears to be not actually something from the show, because that would be sort of neat. It looks like a magazine cover. Yeah, it's a magazine cover jumping over a guy in a chips uniform with the... Says Larry Wilcox. Yes, yes. I'd say Photoshop, but this is from the 80s. Yeah, so... They didn't have the technology. Yeah. Huh. Huh. I wonder if it's the bike or just a bike like it. Okay, so Roland sent this to us, and he was asking if maybe... you know, they meant an episode where he did that. Yeah, and I think he went on the show and watched many, 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 many episodes of the show. Well, you know, I, I went looking through the archives on the show and I found uh-huh. this cool little video of you. Me? Yes, this is your first ride on the freeway. Oh, okay. So a little video, yeah, there's well, chips guys, you know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And who's this guy? And he goes between the cops. That's funny. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that's not me. I don't go between cops. <laughs> I go between people on cruisers sometimes. And... Hey, look, they're trying to talk to him, and uh, he just completely ignores he's them. He's completely ignoring them. He's, he's Oh, frozen. it's the dreaded freeze-up. Oh, no, the freeze-up again. Here's the part where they're going for his kill switch. Why are they pawing his hands? How is that going to help? They're, they're unconvincedly pawing his hands. They're all on a trailer. <laughs> they're so totally on a trailer. Wow, this is a... This is a terrible show. That was your that was your first ride on free, wasn't it? I, I do want that helmet, Mr. <laughs> Wizard helmet. Because that helmet, that kicks 18 kinds of ass. Uh, so we'll post the video up. <laughs> yes, and you too can enjoy the awesomeness that was Chips. So this bike, uh, 20,000 miles, and this thing's from 1983. Well, look at how much time it spent in the air. Someone doesn't like riding. No. This is, this is just a dirt bike. Yeah, it's an enduro. You know, it's a, sort of a KLR equivalent, roughly. Like a KLR without all the unique charm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. that That's nice. And if Larry Wilcox shows up in the road, it's not a problem because you can go right over him. Jump over me. I dare you. Okay. Our next one is a four-tourist station wagon. What? 80,000 miles. Kelly Blue Book of $5,900. I changed Ooh. for a motorcycle. I no need this car. I want one motorcycle. Call me. Name Only phone car. calls, please. No email tanks. No email tanks. <laughs> no email tanks. Email tank. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your Ford Taurus or I will blow up your house. <laughs> I am a Nigerian prince. <laughs> I have multi-billion dollars in gold. Help me to smuggle from country. <laughs> Ford Taurus station wagon with 8,000 miles. I want change for motorcycle. I change for motorcycle. 
He changed. I changed it. <laughs> I changed from <laughs> pistol. Change all. Changed for motorcycle. <laughs> wow. Hey, do you want a POS station wagon and have a motorcycle? <laughs> this is the guy you need to talk to. <laughs> Just don't show up in your email tank. <laughs> Show up on your motorcycle. He wants one motorcycle, not two. And leave it a POS Ford Taurus. Yep. <laughs> wow. That's like the worst deal ever. <laughs> That's not a great deal. So for the Halloween. Mm, you have a special Halloween bike Charlie sent us. Yep. It's a 2003 Kawasaki Z1000. Very custom Street Fighter. Less than 10K miles. And it's, oh my God, it's looking at me. Must see to appreciate. I don't want to see it anymore. Does he mean it or... Us. I don't know. I think it's, it sees us. It's seeing. So this one's been massively customized. So the front cowling is kind of a really scary skull with eyes that follow you no matter where you move. It's looking into my soul. I I am unsettled. 3D sculpting on tank and custom skull and flame paint job. Wow. You will often get the thumbs up, the devil horns, and can scare slow drivers out of your... I have no doubt about that. I believe it. <laughs> if I saw this thing coming up behind me, I would be like, I'm sorry! I'll start going to church! <laughs> yes, Satan? <laughs> wow. Holy custom. This is the Halloween bike of the century. Uh... Wow. I mean, amazing skull detail on the front, an amazing paint job, and it's a Z1000. What so it's the got hell the cool is that on the quad bars? Pipes. I think it's a GPS, which is zip tied on. Okay. That's a little less extreme. That's a big GPS. It almost looks like a. Like a PSP or something. Well, maybe if you got this bike, everybody gets out of your way so you can just play video games while you ride. Wow, look at this thing. It's a m- intense, man. I mean, a, a flame paint job. I mean, this bike is. Pretty. Badass. But uh, that scares That's me. Inte- I, I'd come out in the garage in the dark and I'd like <laughs> – I'd have to like sneak up behind it to ride this bike. It's unsettling. You know, you'd go out into the garage and the lights would just turn on by themselves. <laughs> and then the bike would be behind you already. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, we need to look at something else. This is really unsettling. I'm frightened now. We will put this one up. Uh, if you're into this, you should totally buy it because it does look completely badass. Oh, that's scary. Maybe we'll give a real link to this one. Okay. Our last one is uh, this ad already disappeared. I knew this ad was going to disappear the How second did you know? I saw it. Um, so I saved a PDF of it. We'll post the PDF. This is a 1986 Honda Nighthawk 700SC. Mm-hmm. Price increased. What? This bike has been laid down, rebuilt, broken. Rebuilt again, and now it's got to go. I've had it on Craigslist for a week or so, and when it didn't immediately scooped up, I fixed it. My gain is your loss first. <laughs> wow. Oh, it sounds good and spunky. I have to wait four days for a new spark plug cap. Uh, it is a 26-year-old bike that has been mostly stripped. The old airbox is there, but is now my secret hidden stash box. <laughs> It has funny-looking cones that I crammed in there. Some of the stuff I took off is still with us, and some was not restorable with my income. (laughs) I am not struggling for money to eat and don't have any kids on the way. I mostly just sit around and work on bikes, scooters, and cars, and build experimental intakes and engine to reduce my fuel consumption. I have other transportation, so the only thing that will happen to this bike sitting here is it will get more fixed and grow more expensive on the net. People seem to be real Honda people sometime, and this bike is truly a gem. I might cave a little on the price to the right person, but that is kind of firm. Here is a working and not working list. Oh, goody. Not working. Headlight. I think it is a fuse. (laughs) Keys. I lost it and drilled the locks. Power is fed from a hidden switch. 
The gas tank has to be opened with a screwdriver. Turn signals. Gone, but the wiring is still there. Plastics. All off the bike. They were cracked and broken, but I still have a box with some of the bits. Two master cylinders. Immediately broke when I used them. JB welded it, and it has held for one year. The left side of the engine. Leaks out of the cover gasket. It's hard to get to, and I have not changed it. The mufflers are drilled. A little. <laughs> Working. Tires. <laughs> engine. Wheels. Transmission. Drive shaft. Clutch works, but maybe adjusting is new and is running. Feels good. The electric system, sorta, kinda, <laughs> except for signals. Exhaust works, minus holes. The seat looks great. Petcock works. <laughs> Carbs are good. Brakes are good. If you're interested in this bike, you should email me. Maybe days before I get back to you. <laughs> but I'm not in a hurry to sell it. I will entertain all offers. I hope this ad has entertained the reader. Only actual offers will be answered. However, have a great day. Forward this to a friend. <laughs> I'm glad we could help out. <laughs> Look at the picture. <laughs> wow. So, so the headlight uh, technically oh is there. Uh, it looks like a metal plate welded to the triple trees with a little, like, excess light. Is that light a flashlight? It. it appears to be a flashlight. Yeah, yeah, it's stuck to it. Yeah. yeah. It's got uh, wires hanging out all over the place. Um and he wants 1200 bucks for this. You know, the seat does look really good. <laughs> that cock works. Ooh, ooh, wait. Does it have the inevitable box of parts? Yes, it does. We have box of parts. <laughs> oh, my God. The inevitable box of parts. He wants $1,200 for this. What happens to all those boxes of parts? Okay. You know, because every bike I've ever bought used always comes with, like, an extra box of crap in it. So what would you do with it? It's in the garage. I have parts for a Volusia, parts for a Strom. When you sold the scooter, did it have a box of parts that went with it? Actually, yeah, it did. So maybe it just goes with the bike, like yeah. it's the traveling magic box of parts. It just follows the bike. Yeah, it just follows the bike. It's never that useful, although the Urals was useful because it actually had things you need because the Ural needs a box of parts that follows <laughs> it around. <laughs> Arguably, it's next to it, but... I need to eat these. Don't lose them. <laughs> The box of parts. Oh, my God. Price increased. Increased, <laughs> jerks. Because now it runs kind of better. Man, imagine what his not working list looked like a week ago. Wow. I shudder to think. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Full disclosure. <laughs> and you'll pay more for it, suckers. <laughs> that was awesome. Yes. So tonight we have a guest who I am a particular fan of. Yes. We've got Vernon Wade from Adventure Sidecar and as frequently seen on the Hacks Forum on ADV. And the, the teacher of the Todd. Yes, the teacher in the way of sidecars of the Todd. He's the one who I took the class from and also then when I was trying to figure out how the hell to ride this Ural after I got it, he was good enough to give some advice online about things like drifting around corners and, you know, proper technique and all that good stuff. All right, let's hear it. You're going to gush like a schoolgirl? No, not not right away. Lies. <laughs> Lies right. told by liars that like to lie. Perfect. Right here for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're on with Vernon Wade, owner-proprietor of Venture Sidecar, LLC, who's also one of the uh, kind of big brains about sidecars on the ADV Hacks Forum. How's it going, Vernon? It's going real well. Thank you. My wife and I actually took Vernon's class a while back. She, uh, for my birthday, agreed to let me take because I've been bugging her about it for about two years. So we traveled out there, went on a wine tour, and went to the class. Right after the wine tour? Or like in the middle of the Not wine like tour? Not like right after. But like holding know. the bottle, like, I'm here to learn sidecars! Well, even. 
Okay, can you confirm or deny that, Vernon? <laughs> what I can do is make a blanket statement that all my students have come to class with a very good attitude. What they do before and after the class, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced he actually met you because he said good attitude. So I had a great attitude. I had a great time, even if I did run over several puppies. <laughs> Why is that what he uses instead of cones? So one thing I did notice, Vernon, is in in my class, all of us who were used to riding two wheelers were running over cones with a sidecar wheel, like it was our job. And I've noticed in a few of your pictures, you started putting out little reminders of not to run over the cones with a sidecar wheel. Yeah, I started doing that this. Uh, was it this year? I think it was this year. There's a thing called target fixation, which if you've taken the class, you're well aware of that coupled with the fact that you've got something hanging off the side and it feels like a motorcycle that should be real skinny conspires to make you run over cones <laughs> and putting putting the little baby out there or the dog uh, seems to attract <laughs> attract the machine directly to it <laughs> well some people can attest when we ride bikes they are hungry for blood yes <laughs> First question I do want to ask you about sidecar stuff. We get questions all the time from people who are interested in, hey, I want to start looking into sidecars. What should people do to start with sidecars? Because, I mean, they're not the same at all, and I beat that into their heads. But Well, I really think the best way to start, if you can do it at all, is to take one of the uh, uh, step classes. And Evergreen Safety Council up in Washington puts on several classes. There's, I think there's another company up there now doing it. And Evergreen has a, a nationwide list of classes on their website, which is evergreen.org. And there's a couple advantages to taking the class first. One is sidecars aren't for everyone. Mm. And some people decide after they've driven one that they never want to get on one again. And I think that's the exception rather than the rule, but feelings tend to run strong. And it's better to discover that before you spend a couple of buckets of money on a nice sidecar. Mm. And the other is, like anything else, training can make a huge difference. You don't have to get training to learn to drive a car or a motorcycle or fly an airplane. People have done it by figuring it out on their own. But the learning curve is a little steeper if you don't have a class. And taking a class can keep you a lot safer. It's a lot of fun. And it, like I say, can let you know ahead of time whether you want to spend more money on this uh, particular sport or not. So kind of all the same reasons you would take a, a motorcycle class to be, you know, if you're coming in as a non-rider. Yeah, yeah. That and the fact that sidecars are just so weird that uh, a lot of people like the idea of sidecar a lot more than they like the reality. And <laughs> it's really good to find that out ahead of time. I think most people are surprised to find out how much fun they are. But uh, if you don't like them, you hate them. It's probably good to find that out before you spend eight hours on the interstate on one. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a With scary no thing. fairing on a <laughs> Ural that runs out of gas. Uh-huh. Just Only saying. One. You had a pretty good experience then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, I made some choices that I shouldn't have made vis-a-vis -vis the roots. <laughs> yeah. We, we kind of tried to compensate, but not enough. No. Not no, enough. Not enough. <laughs> so, Vernon, tell us about you. Because, I mean, Todd's a fawning fangirl, but <laughs> who, who is Vernon? How long have you been riding? I'm an old fart now. I've been riding since I was just before college. And... Uh, that's a number of years. I've been riding sidecars for probably 18 years now. Oh, okay. So what got you into the sidecar? Well, I started out on old British motorcycles, and I rode them as my sole mode of transportation for years and years and years. I think but at this point I'm supposed to say I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed it, and I learned a lot. But uh, the sidecars came along because 
Well, you know what the weather is like in the Northwest, and <laughs> ice, ice storms and rainstorms and snowstorms got to be a little precarious on these big old dinosaur bikes I was riding. And I decided that I'd like to have a third wheel to hold it up. So hmm. I got into it primarily for winter riding, I guess. Yeah, I could see how that'd be useful, you know, being on a motorcycle in the middle of a blizzard on the interstate yeah. where there's nothing but ice. <laughs> I told you you need a sidecar, dude. I've been telling you this for years now. Yeah, but you're trying to sell me yours. Well, you know. <laughs> salesmanship. It's all about salesmanship. So what was your first sidecar rig? I bought a uh, 1966 BMW Slash 2 and a Ural, and they were both up at a shop that I don't think exists anymore, but it was a great shop up in Seattle called Pokes. Pokes was up near my grandma's place above Lake Washington. I called them up. I did the whole deal over the phone, sight unseen. They actually tried to talk me out of it. And then my little brother <laughs> threw it in the trunk of his car and brought it down. <laughs> Wait, he put it in the trunk of his car? Yeah. What was he driving? An El Camino? Some big old 70s boat. The bike and the sidecar were already dented up. Okay. <laughs> did he show you how to ride it or did anyone train you? Or No, I got an old Slash 2 BMW manual that showed me how to uh, hook it up. And I hooked it up wrong <laughs> ran over both my feet hit the corner of the dog house and almost dropped it in the pond scared the shit out of myself all in first gear under probably seven miles an hour that is a glorious beginning yeah yeah strong start i want to know why did you get back on it the next day <laughs> no i just i really wanted to like to, to ride it and i uh, i just kept plugging away till i figured it out Slash twos are kind of kind of interesting. They've got a, an adjustable Earl's fork. They came from the factory set up so that you could set a sidecar on it or not. Oh, and okay. Earl's fork had two positions, one for the sidecar and one for not the sidecar. It had places for the mounts. They've got one, one uh, cast ball mount for the rear mount on the frame already. And then they've got eyes where you can bolt the mounts for the top struts. And then the front motor mount is removed, and a long bolt with a ball mount on the end of it goes through that. And that's your front bottom mount. Hmm. And what I did was I ordered this from, I think, Blue Moon Cycles, which were the only place around at the time that had sidecar mounts. I got the kit. But what I didn't realize is there were two kits. One was for uh, uh, BMWs that had a larger, newer motors squashed into the frame. They, they often would spread the frame when they did that. So it had a longer mount, and I just put some spacers in to make it work. <laughs> I had it set up completely wrong. It's, you're supposed to have a little bit of toe in. The sidecar wheel points a little bit towards the motorcycle. And I had toe out, which made it almost unmanageable. It was really, really interesting for a couple of weeks before I figured it out. How many dog houses did you have to buy? <laughs> well, I just had the one. Just had the one. It was pretty interesting. The dog was a little concerned. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm behind on my mortgage payments. I know, boss. Come on. <laughs> so is this operation reversible um, on that, it, bo- that bike? Can you like, On that the, bike, yeah. yeah. It's, it's all bolt up. It's really easy. Because okay. we've talked before about if you could do, if there's bikes that exist, that you could put the sidecar on and off at will. And Todd had convinced me that was a bad idea. It's generally a bad idea, and I think all of the forks that are available now, you can do fork modifications for sidecars, and the reason you do that is that motorcycles are designed to steer by leaning, Mm -hmm. and sidecars take that away. Mm -hmm. 
And so the geometry of the front forks and the steering are all wrong. And you just have a huge amount of steering effort when you slap a sidecar on. And you also get a death wobble at certain speeds that can be kind of entertaining. Uh, <laughs> I, I've seen Todd ride a lot. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty entertaining. So, <laughs> Especially when he breaks out into tears. Yeah, well, I've been there too, so I have, he has my sympathy. What people do will, is, is reduce the trail through various devices, uh, modifying that front end so that the sidecar will steer a little easier. And if you've modified the front end of your, of your motorcycle, or if you bought something like a Ural, which was designed for a sidecar, if you take the sidecar off, you can ride it, but it's a real uncomfortable, twitchy machine to ride. It just feels like it wants to fall over and dart about. It's just, it's, it's awful. And so if you've modified the steering geometry on your bike for your sidecar, then taking the sidecar off is not a good idea. You have to put the front end back to stock, basically, to make it work. The other thing is your tires wear square. <laughs> so motorcycle tires have a, a curve to them. Sure, yeah. Are they riders? Take note. Yeah, they should have. Yeah, there's the people that put car tires in the back of their bikes. In general, motorcycle tires have a curve, and it allows you to have good traction and good cornering and handling traits when you lean the bike into a corner. And when you ride with sidecar attached, you square those tires off. You middle uh, wear the middle of the uh, tread out, and eventually you have a tire that, in profile, looks similar to a car tire. And you've been riding around for several hundred miles like that. You've got a nice square top tire. Just go, oh, I don't want a sidecar on. I want to go out and squirt around, be a squid. And you pull the sidecar off. I've done it. I know people who do it all the time. But it's not a real comfortable ride. It's not a good idea. It doesn't handle very well. Particularly if your front tire is uh, rounded to trapezoidal like mine is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what do you ride these days? Well, I've got a bunch of bikes that I bought for... Uh, the sidecar classes I'm teaching. Currently, I've got three KLRs with sidecars. Two of them have kind of enduro or off-road style sidecars. Mm-hmm. And I have a Suzuki uh, Bandit 600 with a sidecar on it. It's just a screamer. It's a lovely bike. I've got some other bikes in the garage that are not running right now. I've got a Norton, and I've got a Trike Project, and I've got another KLR that needs an engine done. I'm thinking about selling off everything but the Norton and getting something else at this point. That's what I'm riding. Almost every day I'm riding a KLR. I ride a different color every day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes, the KLRs. Those are particularly funny when you get two fat guys on it. Say me (laughs) and the other fat guy in the class. Isn't anything funnier with two fat guys on it? That's a good point. (laughs) <laughs> Do you ride anything that's just two wheels? Well, my Norton's just two wheels, but I haven't ridden it for probably about four years. I've got a transmission I need to put in it, and I need to redo the forks. And every time I get on that bike, I, I just, I just, it's wonderful. That was a bike that I rode for many, many years as, as my sole means of transportation. And it just, it's got a lovely sound to it. It's a beautiful bike. And I get, get on it, and I go, oh, yeah, I remember leaning. I love this. And then it tries to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) What started the current four years in the shed? The problem with it is I get a little too rambunctious. It's a commando, and the commando is kind of the end of a long evolution for Norton. They took a bike that was originally a 500cc single, turned it into a 650 twin, turned that into a 750 twin, and eventually an 850 twin, but mine's a 750. They didn't really change a lot as they did that. <laughs> like suspension yeah. and brakes and things? Well, suspension and brakes are not too bad. The Norton's almost modern. Almost modern. It, it, it's a pretty nice ride. But the uh, transmission, 
they changed from a single row uh, primary chain to a triple row primary chain, but they didn't change the transmission. They just put a different shaft in that was about three inches longer to carry that bigger clutch basket. And so it's got a huge amount of stress on it. And the engine is probably 30 horsepower more than the engine that that transmission was originally designed for. And it's fine unless you play hard. And if you do wheelies or you do a lot of compression checks when you're dropping the quarters or no shit like that, it, it hogs out a bushing on the right side that starts throwing the kickstart into the pavement. You drive down the road and the kickstart starts slapping you in the back of the leg. And you know you need to rebuild the transmission. Oh, well, that's handy. Ow, ow, ow. Rebuilding the bikes that my students have broken that I haven't gotten around to working on this bike. So what was the start of, of the school, of the training? Because Todd goes on and on about how... Oh, that's a lurid story. <laughs> yes. Oh, we love those. You'll, yes. you'll like this. I've got to say right up front that the other in, individual involved in the story was a stand-up guy. And he took care of his responsibilities, and he was very good at that. I sense a butt. <laughs> if he hears this, he's going to know who he is. I, I want him to know I still think of him as a friend and... and <laughs> we I don't, I don't harbor any hard feelings. We should refer to him at this point as asshole A for anonymity. You can refer to him at this point as the man who destroyed the only new motorcycle I ever owned. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awfully long name, but okay, we'll roll with that. Okay. I, I went to a party. It's one of these online motorcycle chat groups that gets you in all kinds of trouble. One of the traditions at these parties is that all sorts of really cool motorcycles show up and people trade rides with each other and everybody gets to try out these rides. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman convinced me that he knew how to drive a sidecar <laughs> because he had driven Uncle Blasto's tri- sidecar at the last party. I had a 1999 Speed Triple. Oh, no. It was a beautiful bike. No. I bought it from I-90 Motorsports up there in Issaquah. It just... It, it was the only new bike I've ever owned, and it was just fucking awesome. Oh, no. I, I rode it for six months without a sidecar to get through the mandatory first few maintenance checks so I didn't void the warranty. And, you know, shit, it would do wheelies. It would. It went through the Cooper Spur loops. I think I hit the first corner of the Cooper Spur loops with the passenger on the back at 100 miles an hour. No, I didn't. I wouldn't do that. That's illegal and irresponsible. You ride at the posted limit. Yes. Exactly. Anyway, it was a it was a it was a lovely vibe. This story and sounds I, sad. I'm I'm already feeling a tear coming on. I built a uh, sidecar for it, made the frame out of a ural that had been run over by a snowplow. <laughs> a really, really good deal on it. And I cut it down. I put a ship. It was such a piece. I I, uh, I used a Yugo wheel on a Honda Hub. <laughs> welded to a Ural swing arm, and it dropped the sidecar down about, I think I had about three inches of clearance, and it was about as wide as the bike was long. Cut the body down so that the only thing that was left was the nose, and then I built this aluminum diamond plate platform with grab bars all around it, and then I mocked up a subframe out of PVC pipe and took it up to Covington to Dauntless Motors, their DMC up in, in uh I can't remember where they are. The DMC Motors now. But anyway, Jay at Dauntless Motors worked with me over a weekend to build this subframe uh, out of pipe out from the mock-up that I'd made. So I put it all together, and the thing would redline at 92 miles an hour in second gear with the sidecar on it. 
and it didn't even feel like it had a sidecar on it. It was lovely. And I hadn't even painted it yet. I took it on a couple of runs, and I went up to this party, and this friend of mine asked me if I'd let him ride it, and he made it three blocks. <sighs> and my wife said, why is he coming back in the back of a truck? And I said, oh, don't do that shit. I turned around, he's coming back in the back of the truck. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Thankfully, he didn't get hurt. He had a little dot yet. on his knee from the steering damper, but he was he was okay. He went around a corner, a right-hand corner, and he felt like it was lifting, and he grabbed the front brakes. And he had a Ducati at the time, and the Triumph brakes are way, way, way better than Ducati brakes. And he grabbed the front brakes, and it pivoted to the left into a 13-inch curb uh, that was in the median. Broke the front wheel like glass, and it took the front end clear off and broke one of the motor mounts. Spun it broke the <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> and he said, I wasn't going that fast. I was only in second gear doing six grand. And I said, well, second gear, six grand is uh, about 70 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kilometers on the, on the speed up. You know, so, English. anyway, it was it was unfortunate. Yeah. So he was unhurt until he, he got unhurt. back. The bike was destroyed, and I never lent another bike out without <laughs> somebody having gone through a class that I taught. <laughs> I need to start a school. This so, will not stand. Yeah, so, I, I, I went up and took the class the next year to uh, get certified as an instructor. Did he come and take a class from you? No, I think he's cured. The insurance was pretty good to me. It took me about six months to get him to pay, but I actually ended up with about $50 more than I had into it. Oh, works out nicely. Yeah. I got a Triumph uh, Tiger, and I put a Sputnik sidecar on it that Dauntless Motors built the subframe for. That was probably the best sidecar rig I've ever had. It would do 80 miles an hour all day long, and then you could just shoot straight off into the dirt. Wow. And I modified it considerably. I broke the hey, frame. Hey, Todd, has, has the Ural ever seen 80 miles an hour? Um, you no. drop it out of an airplane. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't found a sufficiently big cliff. <laughs> Even with all that drag, you think it'll still hit 80 miles an hour? I don't know. Maybe if the windshield's folded down. <laughs> well, you know, and that's a big thing. The drag is a huge thing. I've yeah. got these enduro sidecars, and I've got this Sputnik, and the Sputnik is probably good for 10 or 20 miles an hour, more top end, and a lot less work. Just because well, it's not a sail. Just Why? because what, it, it's not a big bar or a door pointed at the, at the wind. The Sputnik's kind of a, it, it's like a plastic, it's basically like a plastic coffin with a little seat in it for all intents no, and purposes. Sputnik's steel. Oh, it's, it's steel? Yeah, the Velorex is oh. a plastic coffin. Oh, okay. And the Sputnik <laughs> so it's a, is, is, is similar to the Velorex in size. It's a little bit larger uh, pipe on the uh, chassis and a larger axle, and it's an all-steel body. Hmm. Yep, but it's a little kind of low-slung, skinny Yeah, Yeah, thing. It, it, looks, it, it, it's, it looks like a conventional sidecar. And it's got a lot less profile in the front than a Ural and a lot less than uh -huh. a Ural. How does it feel to not be the sidecar expert in the room for once? I don't know. I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though. You know, It doesn't take much to be the sidecar expert, does it? No. No, the bar is really low in most groups. My, yeah, my, just... my father-in-law told my wife that uh, it's easy to be an expert if you pick a field that nobody cares about. <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, everyone w wants to talk about the Euro. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we can't go anywhere without people coming up and 
blocking us in and making me wait. And you love it, don't you? In the desert. I do. I love the attention. In I'm an attention whore. In 110 degrees. In suits. But the Ural is a lovely bike. I bet you're having a great time. Oh, yeah. I'm having a grand old time. We left the class and we got home and we're like, well, we can't really afford one right now. And then I lowballed some guy on, online and he's like, yeah, okay, sounds good. Come and get it. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, shit, I need a trailer. <laughs> How many people go through your class a year? Well, that's a difficult question. I um, The class, the maximum uh, is 12 for the class. And I've been doing this for seven years now, I think. And the first few years, I was filling most of the classes. For the last couple of years, six was a good class. I haven't been filling the classes, so I don't know. I haven't, haven't had that many. But the people I've had come through have been happy with it. I've been happy with it. It's really gratifying to see someone come in and you get to see their skill level improve. I mean, it happens right before your eyes. And that's just really fun. It's rewarding in a lot of ways. But unfortunately, it sounds like you're thinking school's probably going to be shuttered next year. I haven't filled a class this year. Mm. And it requires a lot of a lot of time and a lot of expense to run a class. And so I am going to shut down. I'm going to do an advanced class at the Black Dog, which happens June 8th and 9th, I believe, next year. I did that this year. But I'm Todd not just going, got an erection. I'm not going to do any more of the beginning classes. If somebody really wants instruction, I can probably do something as a private lesson. But uh, I'm, I'm not planning anything right now. I might need to get in touch with you then because... There's a strong chance I might be buying somebody's Ural. <laughs> I'll do that. I, I probably won't be able to do the step class, which is what gets you your card. And in Washington, it's, that's what you need to get your endorsement. What, what do you need in Utah? In, in Utah, technically, you are currently licensed to ride a sidecar, which is terrifying. Yes! In most states, if you have a motorcycle endorsement, you can ride a sidecar. Yeah, the uh, the three-wheeled one is actually a lesser stamp in Utah, which is weird. Rock! So they have like a different license requirement there for, for the sidecar in in Oregon. No, Oregon is is uh, like most of the country. It's it's if you have a motorcycle endorsement, you're good for sidecar. Sidecars are considered uh, uh, an accessory in most states. Mm. Like yeah. my my purse dog. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> like your purse dog. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. <laughs> So what do you suggest for people who are, are looking to, to be beginning riders in sidecars? Where should they go? They should check Evergreen uh, Safety Council. Their website is esc.org. They will list most of the sidecar classes that are available in the, in the U.S. Is MSF doing something with... MSF has a three-wheeled thing that's based on... Uh, trikes? Basically trikes, because the Spider BRP is one yeah, of the funding Yeah, my understanding is their class is pretty t- trike-biased. I, I have no personal experience with it, so I can't speak to how good a class it is. So you were doing uh, some tours for a while with your sidecars, too, right? Mm-hmm. Getting out there with the teepees and stuff. Tell us a little about those. Well, that was a lot of fun. I thought, uh, you know, the best part about this whole thing is it's been an <laughs> excuse to buy... A bunch of motorcycles and some premium camping gear. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole thing's coming clear now. Yeah, yeah. And I did several tours. Included in the tours uh, recently has been camping in teepees, which I've also done for my classes. I've, I've uh, made the teepees available for clients. I was charging like fifty bucks a night, 
and I will have teepees at the Black Dog next year if somebody wants to camp out in the Black Dog, whether or not they're taking the class, they will be able to sign up and reserve a cot in the teepee if they, if they want. I've got this scary mental image of Todd without a shirt painting his chest. You know, after, after enough tequila, that becomes kind of normal. <laughs> it, it can never be normal. <laughs> never. I've seen him without a shirt. I think you're edging into too much information there. Can't unsee. He's there, man. So are you still going to do the tours, or are those going to be kind of hiatus, too? Well, it's the same thing. I, I, if somebody really wants to do it, I can be talked into it. I need some advance warning, and we need some payment up front because it costs me some money to set it up. I'm, I'm a just a motorcycle rider. Most of our listeners are motorcycle Riders, we've got some sidecar riders. You right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you give us the spiel that you give your class? Say to you know you you've got a class coming in of riders. What's the difference? What do we need to keep in mind when we get on hacks? When I get a class, I usually ask them what they're looking for, and it varies quite a bit. Some people pick up chicks. Yeah. You know, I haven't ever gotten that answer back. And I don't know why, because, damn it, they are chick magnets. If I had a sidecar when I was in high school, I would have some serious venereal diseases. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Sidecars, they cause venereal diseases. Well, you're, you're, you're riding around with a place to have sex. And, wow, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> thought of a Buick like that. But the major difference between sidecars and motorcycles is they handle different. Motorcycles require counter-steering, and not everybody knows what counter-steering is, but most people have been exposed to that concept at this point. And sidecars don't do that. Sidecars, you have to point your wheel where you want to go. And that's the biggest difference between the two. There's some other differences, and your braking points are different. The dance is different. You get into the corner, and you're on a solo bike, and you get into this sort of a ballet you're just kind of sweeping through the corners you still get to dance on a on a on a sidecar but it's a different tempo your braking points are different your acceleration points are different but the biggest difference is you don't counter steer you point it where you want to go the sidecar because it's asymmetrical behaves kind of like a go-kart one wheel fell off (laughs) It, it takes some attention you know a lot of people say i'll ride a sidecar when i get old and I can't hold up a motorcycle. And that's valid, but they're kind of missing the point. It's a hell of a lot of fun, and it's a hell of a lot of work. Yeah, I never understood that when I get old, maybe I'll do a sidecar thing, because my experience with a sidecar is it takes quite a bit more... I mean, you don't have to hold it up, but in terms of actual steering and moving your body around, it feels to me like it takes a lot more physical effort than a two-wheeler. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. It's a lot of work, and it can be a lot of fun. It can be a very exhilarating ride. It's really cool when you get a passenger. You know, and the passenger has a choice, and the driver has a choice, and you can drive a little bit more reserved, and the passenger just sit there. And that's fine, and that's kind of fun. My wife doesn't like sitting on the back of a motorcycle. She says all she sees is the back of my helmet. Sounds familiar. But in a sidecar, she likes it. When you have an active passenger and you guys are in tune with each other, you can just scream through the corners. Because the passenger can almost steer that sidecar just by where they put their weight. I didn't realize that was a choice, Todd. No, no, nobody rides free. Lean monkey, lean. (laughs) 
No free monkey rides. I was getting punched in the helmet. Only when you got in the way. I've got a good friend whose wife, he doesn't ride sidecars. He rides a, a BMW GS. And he's got a uh, little baseball bat, like a 20-inch baseball bat, strapped to his tail trunk. And I asked him, I said, you know, Greg, what is that? He says, that's my cruise control. Cruise control? Yeah, my wife just grabs that and bats me upside the head when I'm going to. <laughs> I get punched in the kid. Oh, man. So... I didn't realize that was a choice. I didn't know I could just sit there and relax. You can't just sit there and relax. I didn't know I could enjoy the, the view. Not the an scenery. option. Not an option. Why are you in the seat? You said I had to climb over the back. You made me do things. Hey, that's more fun, though. I got sweaty. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so let me ask you this. When I was doing the spider test ride, mm-hmm. the thing that freaked me out the most riding that thing was all the forces felt wrong on my body. You're going through curbs. Because you're you're not leaning, right? You're mm-hmm. you're going through curbs, so you, you're you know you feel the force, the centrifugal force, pushing you off the bike versus you know pushing you down into the bike. Mm-hmm. Is it the same like that on a on a hack rig mm-hmm. from the from the rider's perspective? Vernon, what do you think? I, my inclination is more or less, yeah. I haven't ridden a spider yet. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I want to try one of those out. My brain was screaming, this is wrong the whole time while I was tearing well, it's not much on that. It's not much different than an ATV, I would suppose. This kind of gets back to, yeah, you can just sit there or, you can, or, or the passenger can and be an active participant. If you're driving a trike or a sidecar or I presume a reverse trike, but I haven't had the personal experience. If you will slide out of the saddle and move your weight into the corner, you know, like if you're turning right, slide your weight to the right, you should be able to um, improve your cornering speed and improve your feeling of control. If you just sit there, then yeah, it's going to feel all wrong. But if yeah, that you was... slide out of the saddle into the direction of the corner, so if you're turning right, if you slide to the right, put your weight to the right, put the pressure on the right handlebar and the pressure on the right foot peg, you're going to feel more in control because you're going to be more in control because you're fighting that centrifugal force. You're, you're fighting the leverage that's trying to push the bike or the sidecar or the trike up on its edge. Yeah, that was pretty much my experience with the uh, with the Spider. actually, is I pretty much rode it like it was the Ural, and apart from the power steering being really terrifying if you're used to Ural steering. Um, <laughs> and that giant motor. And the giant motor. And, oh, yeah, don't try to uh, don't try to make the rear crab around by going for the front brake a little bit, because it's not there. That was a little weird. Yeah, it's got some sort of safety on there, doesn't it? The- yeah, it's got the, it's got the nanny... Thing. The computer so, brain. So if you want your rear wheel to kind of, you know, not slide, but sort of sort of a little slide maybe. Drift? Drift, yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so what it's like, I'm, no, it's dangerous. So what I'm hearing is that you're actually using your drifting technique when you're driving your Ural. Yes, I am. Thank I, you for that. I, 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 oh, I could, are you kidding? Uh, he, he can't <laughs> stop. <laughs> he drifts it's, every It's a lot of fun, get. isn't it? Oh, God, it's a hoot. He throws the tub up into the air every chance he gets. Not every chance I get, just when I go by the bus stop full of kids. <laughs> or people with cameras. Or them. Or me. Or Chuck. Or anyone or you know. Or that chick in the really short skirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People with a pulse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blue sky. Yeah, pretty much anywhere there's an audience. <laughs> Rocks. My, trees. my poor mother, I take her out every year for a wildflower tour. And every year she says, you're not going to fly the sidecar, are you? And I say, of course not, Mom. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry. 
Well, you haven't flown the sidecar with me in it, so that that's something. I wonder why that is, Fatty. <laughs> that's just mean. That is mean. That's really mean. It's worse when it's true, isn't it? <laughs> I don't like you either. <laughs> Stupid sidecar people. So what's your uh, dream trip on a sidecar you want to make? Or have made, I guess. To the Dairy Queen. Oh, what? That's you, Chad. Shut up. I don't know. I mean, every trip is, is just wonderful. My wife and I, for our honeymoon, which we postponed for a number of years, went to Provence and rented a Ural. Ooh, neat. And we got to ride around uh, southern France for a week and on, on a Ural. And that was magnificent. I would love to do, do that again or do something similar. Most people, when they think of sidecars, they think of Ural. But are there other choices that aren't custom jobs don't know of any i hardly stopped doing it nepper's out of business yeah i think ural's pretty much it ural's growing so i mean it seems like they've definitely got a niche yep of course the custom jobs aren't that difficult to do really well there's a number of manufacturers around that will put one together for you it's just a matter throwing enough money at him. Yeah, we had Claude on the show earlier, and I think en- enough money is, and it, it's it's plenty in his case, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that, that's that's a funny thing. People always think that sidecars should be a lot cheaper than they are, but mm. it's a lot of work to put one together and make it work right. We gotta go check out that Honda Goldwing that's sitting on 90th with the sidecar. No, we don't. Well, and, and I can't hear you. There's a lot of used sidecars out there. You know, if you can find mm. one of those, you can you can often get a good deal where somebody else has spent the money to, to make it right. It's got a for sale sign on it, Todd. I can't hear you, Chuck. Yes, you can. You're right here. You're talking to me. That actually brings up an interesting point. If somebody is looking to get into sidecars, It's for sale, fatty. <laughs> if somebody's looking to get into sidecaring and they're deciding they're going to buy a sidecar, they've taken a class, they've read a book, something and they're just going to go for it and you read know. a book i don't know <laughs> what what should they be looking for if you're going to buy a used sidecar what do you what do you need to worry about what i'd worry about is people that have put on um universal sidecar mounting kits where they've just clamped a bunch of mounts onto a frame usually you need a subframe clamps can work okay but they tend to rotate around the frame if they get stressed and they will get stressed when you're riding a sidecar Mm-hmm. Why am I just picturing someone tying a canoe to their motorcycle and being like, yep, there it is. It, it's been done. It's been done. There's my sidecar. Yeah. So what you should look for is a, a known sidecar manufacturer shop made the mounts mm. or something like a Ural that's already been put together. The only thing that scares me about the Ural is like, I just keep going back to that day where you pulled into the gas station and cried. <laughs> Well, don't don't take it on I seventy is the more. <laughs> Y'all want to hear more about this story? <laughs> we uh, we decided we would go from Salt Lake to Durango, and since I was on the Ural, knowing it was rather slow and you know energetic to ride, we'd uh, we'd you know take a couple days to do it. It turned out we should have taken more than two, and we shouldn't have budgeted quite so much highway miles. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the second day, we pulled into the gas station at the end of the trip, and Todd collapsed, almost cried, and said, we have to find someone with a trailer. (laughs) Did your arms hurt? My arms hurt, my back hurt, and I almost rear-ended a uh, fuel truck because I was so tired. There was a lot of wind, and we were basically going through canyons for a lot of it. Yep. And it was all, you know, highway, like 70, 75-mile-hour roads. More like 62. 
<laughs> well, the roads were that speed, but Todd wasn't. <laughs> I used to have a, a Nepper with a R100 BMW motor in it. And my wife and I took that out to a family reunion in uh, Montana. And our first day, we did 500 miles from Hood River to the Idaho border. We kind of zigzagged through central Oregon. And the last, I don't know, last hour, I couldn't feel my arms from my elbows to my wrist. And I would take my hand off the handlebars and shake it out to get the feeling back into it. And I would put it back up on the handlebar, and I would have to look to see whether it was back up there. <laughs> I, you were, you're like, your whole upper body was exhausted. Yeah. It seemed like when at the end of that day. Well, I didn't have that much weight in the tub. And so, you know, we're up on I-70. We're coming down this ridiculous hill. I did get the Ural to 75 miles an hour on that hill. Okay. It yeah. was terrifying. <laughs> oh, and you, you had no windshield, no and fairing. And no windshield, no fairing, no nothing. <laughs> I was getting blown off the bike. It was brutal. That, that was one of the few, 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 few times I felt better on a Buell than you have on whatever you were on. Yeah. <laughs> It'll go down in history as the trip where the Buell was the good bike. I, I hear from people all the time, and they they get these sidecars, and they tell me that they've, they've scheduled this trip, and they figure they can make 400-mile days because they're used to doing 60 miles on their, on, on their solo bike and... Mm. That's where Todd was when we planned out our trip. <laughs> and I try and tell him, you know, 100 miles is a long day on a sidecar, especially if you haven't been riding sidecars for a while. And, and it's a lot of work. <laughs> don't listen to me. And if there's one thing I would tell people who are planning a sidecar trip, you figure your mileage out and then cut it in half and then cut it down again by a quarter. And that's probably reasonable. And if you make better time than that, cool you're better you're ahead of schedule but if anything comes up or you're not making that good a time you're not in a pinch and you're not going to hurt yourself because you're trying to keep a schedule and you know stuff like if somebody was to say park behind you and start asking you questions when you're in the hot sun where you know i used to have a suits. bike like that back in 20 years oh everybody had a bike just like that Oh, yeah. Everyone has had a bike just like that. Let's stand here in 120-degree weather. I'll tell you about it. I'm in shorts and a tank top. It's not hot to me. Why is your friend passed out? <laughs> That's not a totally hypothetical situation. It was a rough trip all around. This is something I always wanted to ask you. Do you think that trip being so hard on you was because of the Euro being a bit underpowered for it, for the, those roads? I mean, if, you, if we had been on the gold wing with the tub... Do you think you would have been the same or? I might have been a little better. I think the lack of wind protection was part of it. And I think, frankly, though, just riding the sidecar is exhausting. Okay. So even, you know, even if you've got a, a beefier sidecar rig, you're just, you're just going faster and getting tired quick. Yeah. Well, you know, the Ural is kind of a compromise because at least in theory, you can take that sidecar off and ride that bike. It's a solo bike. And... Todd's Todd's making weird faces. <laughs> Have you tried it yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> Try it sometimes. It, it, Have we talked about how my front tire is trapezoidal? <laughs> <laughs> but look, he's telling you to try it. I, I'll pay money to see this. Not not a lot of money, but I'll pay money. Videotape it. A good five, six dollars. Mm. Possibly. Urals don't handle very American. well. Sidecar re- re- removed, is my opinion. Uh, not everybody shares that opinion, but that's my opinion. How but, hard would it be to take the sidecar off your wheel? Mm, four or five bolts. Yes. Oh, and the drive shaft. So you you got a Europe? I got a patrol. Yeah, so so you got to re- remove the drive shaft. That's a pain in the ass. Don't do it. Yeah. 
<laughs> Damn it. <laughs> See that? He's all he's all like, give it a try for the adventure of the thing, and then laziness wins every time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's pain in the ass to remove that drive shaft. Now, one thing I did notice in your class that you went over, and I think my wife kind of zoned out for that part and said you'd deal with it, was you <laughs> talked about the uh, the setup of a sidecar because there's, there's kind of a lot that goes into it. It's kind of a pain in the ass to do. And with the Ural, you don't have to do that much if your dealer's any good because they're going to have set it up for you. Um, How was your dealer, Todd? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to set up the toe-in and the lean-out. And so the toe-in is when your sidecar wheel points in a little bit toward your bike, and the lean-out is when the bike leans out a little bit away from the sidecar, exactly. or if you're a big fatty like me sitting on it a lot. Exactly. And that's a good point. You're, well, exactly. You're a big fatty. That's what he's saying. Your suspension compresses when you're sitting on the bike, and that's going and, and to change the lean-out, and lean-out often changes the toe-in. So it's kind of fussy to set it up. So do you have to like set it up with you on for like an individual rider? What I usually do is I'll set up on the bike and I'll take a uh, cargo strap and I'll hook it to the uh, luggage rack and then to the swing arm to the sprocket and I'll cinch it down mm-hmm. and I can get off the bike and the bike is still and if I Makes normally sense. have a passenger particularly a heavy passenger Todd no exactly <laughs> and I'll uh, I'll press the uh, sidecar suspension as well. I'll, I'll put some uh, weight on the sidecar. And then I'll start dicking around, changing the uh, lean-out and the toe-in. Uh, if you don't do that, then it's going to change. Your setup's going to change. And the static setup won't, won't be valid if you haven't compressed the suspension. So Todd would get on the bike. We'd use the cargo strap to cinch it down to get the suspension mm-hmm. under tension. You'd get off the bike, see the results of that, and then start crying. That, that might happen. And you've actually got some videos online about how to uh, do some of this stuff, don't you, Vernon? I do. And you can find those videos. I, I believe I still have a link up on my website. We got hit by a hacker earlier in the year and kind of fucked up a bunch of stuff. But, but I Wait, so you're, you're, you're not teaching people to ride sidecars and buy Viagra? <laughs> you know, not yet. Because, <laughs> you know, those my, things my are My brother and I have been talking about this since... Um, since the classes have kind of petered out, and we're not making a lot of money off that. We're we're talking about changing the the uh, website a little bit. And we're thinking we might uh, split it into two halves. One is um, religious, and and the other would be pornography. And they're both money makers. So <laughs> solid. I like it. It's got potential. So that's interesting. I mean, because Euro keeps releasing stories about how they're growing. You know, their mm-hmm. their their market share is increasing. This whole tens. They're adding more dealers. They're adding more manufacturing capability. But Vernon's not seeing that interest here. I'm thinking Vernon's not seeing the people getting trained, which is probably why there's a lot of euros with dents in the nose of the sidecar. Okay. So there's a lot of people learning the way Vernon did by running over their dog. Yeah, pretty much. Which is not a good idea. I do think that uh, you're right, that that sidecars are becoming uh, a little bit more popular. There'll always be a niche. But when I talk to my friends that are sidecar manufacturers, they seem to be selling a lot of units. And Ural seems to be doing quite well. I think that's, that's a good thing for our sport. 
but it's it's a difficult economy, and I I'm not seeing people uh, interested in turning loose with money for for classes. All right, so make sure to check out Vernon's site, uh, soon to be Adventure Porn and Adventure Religion. <laughs> AdventureSidecard.com. Also, we'll pull up in the link to this ESC.org. So if you're interested in sidecard training and classes, you know you can find that out. And okay. if you're up with the Black Dog, I think I should just go buy that Honda Hack and park it in the driveway and just videotape your reaction. Just to make me sad. Yes, just to make you sad. <laughs> Anything I can do to make you sad is a, I just mark that day as a win. <laughs> I even have a special little happy, happy smiley face sticker I use on the calendar for those days. It's beautiful. Well, Vernon, thanks a lot for being on with us tonight. Certainly. Do contact me if you're interested in training or uh, or tours, and I will try and put something together for you. Cool. Where are you located? I'm in Hood River. I'm about 60 miles east of Portland, Oregon. Beautiful area. Mm-hmm. It is. So emails. Emails today. We got a couple. Hiram mm-hmm. writes, Hey, guys. Many, many years ago, while waiting in line for admissions test, I saw a fur bike. <laughs> it fur was crazy. Because uh, remember we had the ad? Yeah, yeah, the I know. I know, yeah. I know what it is. I just didn't realize they had a name. A fur bike. Fur bike. Sp- speaking of fur, if you dyed it blue, you could have an avatar bike. It blew. It blew. Are, are these the bikes furries ride? I can only assume. <laughs> That's a good theory, actually. Every time you see one of these fur bikes, it's like, oh, actually, this person is a furry. This person likes to have sex with people dressed up as sports a mascots. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, think about that the next time you watch a college football game. Someone's watching the mascot run on the field and masturbate. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they see the furry bike and they're like, I must have it. Yep. This should be mine. Mine. And the owner comes out and he finds a guy having sex with the tailpipe. And he's like, <laughs> not again. <laughs> <laughs> that costs $20. <laughs> Pay for the bike in no time. <laughs> Rudy writes... Howdy, Chuck and Todd. Hope you enjoyed the beers and cigars. Just cigars? You holding out on me? Oh, right, those. Bastard. Just wanted to let you know I've made it to Sierra Vista, Arizona. In one piece. The beer was good, right? (laughs) Without the bike breaking down. Man, what a machine. Not bad for an old import. Now that I'm settled down, I find it's difficult to settle back into normal life. Being on the road for a long period of time just makes me want to keep going and going and never stop. I hope you've bought some fur for your motorcycles. <laughs> I also am waiting to see if y'all might be going to the Horizons Unlimited run. Holler back and keep these great podcasts coming. Rudy, the punk pirate nerd. I don't think I'm going to make the Horizons Unlimited now. Mm. I've got a, a work deploy the night before I'm, I was supposed to leave. Ah. Uh. So, and we just let go one of the other guys on my team. Mm, mm. So it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I'm not really sure what you said. I heard, <laughs> responsible adult. <laughs> Fucking hate you. <laughs> Just for that, I'm going to fur one of your motorcycles. <laughs> I think the Versus will look much better with a nice tiger print. <laughs> look at the bright side. You might get girls on it then. Fucking hate you. Nah. Shut up. <laughs> If anyone would like to co-host this podcast with me, I'm going to be needing a new one soon, possibly tomorrow. Send pictures of fur bike to Chuck at Wheel Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> what have you learned this week, Chuck? You're going to die. I've learned die. There's never enough fur. Die. Are you <laughs> dying yet, Todd? No. Go toward the light. But I am pricing out fur. Go toward the light. Every time you say that... The fur gets worse and worse. We're up to pink leopard print at this point. I'm trying to kill you with my mind as hard as I can. 
It's like being shot with a very small gun. Okay, I'm definitely buying that fucking Honda hack right now. <laughs> what is it? It's, it's 9 o'clock. I'm going to that dude's house right now with a checkbook. <laughs> and then I'm going to run it through your fucking front window. <laughs> In slow motion. It's okay. I'll just pull up beside you and awkwardly try to slap your kill switch. <laughs> Wait, stop! Stop, dude! Stop! Stop trying to hold my hand. <laughs> awkward. Awkward. Chips is much more awkward that way. Uh, well, they did dress like the village people. That's true. Yeah. And that's all we got time for tonight. Until next time. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Remember, ride safe, everyone, when you're trying to slap someone's kill switch awkwardly. Everyone except Todd. We'll see you next week. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.